0: So, what I, want to, what I want to spend some time, when we're going to look at this, this, uh, this, this morning, we, we're walking through our Advent series, and we're continuing that, because Advent means anticipation. It means the, the anticipation of the arrival of something, and, and it's not just the anticipation of the arrival of Christmas, um, and, and the first coming of Jesus' his birth, but we build that anticipation for the second coming, for the arrival of Jesus' When he had promised to return, and so our Advent series is actually continuing into this week and into next week as we talk about the coming hope this week, the coming hope of Jesus, and what is the last day? How does that inform this day? And then next week we're going to have a really practical sermon. We're going to look at the present hope, and we're going to talk about okay, how do we live in light of that today? How does how does the hope of Jesus inform how I live right now? We're going to look look ahead and look at the final day, at the coming hope in Jesus, and what that means for us today. And so, um, uh, if you will go ahead and turn with me, if you have a Bible, uh, turn <coughs> um, turn with me to Colossians chapter one. And um, if you don't have a Bible, well, actually, I have that here on the screen. Uh, oh, good, we do. guys there, Right? If you don't have a Bible, go ahead, and hold your hand up <coughs> and um, keep it up. I'm going to apologize in advance, I have a little bit of a cough. that comes in and out, I thought it, I had it for like four weeks, but um, yeah, so that's kind of out. So, yeah, go ahead and turn with me, we're going to kind of get bathed in scripture this morning, um, we usually walk through books of the Bible, we're kind of hunker down in one passage, and we are going to launch out of one place, but we're going to kind of just take a little warm shower under the good news of God's word together as we look at a number of different passages, we're going to launch out of Colossians 1. And as we get there, let me go ahead and just um, spend some time asking time, over to overseer now when we pray, okay? Lord, thank you for this morning. Um again, thank you for your word. Thank you for the good news of Jesus that informs all of life. Um, Lord, thank you for advent and the time of anticipation, and even for this, 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 uh, this time we're together that okay? um where we can we can talk about um how the anticipation of Jesus um didn't just end two days ago. And so, Lord, as we even maybe have some freedom this morning to walk through our own emotions, you know, how are we doing? Are we are we let down? Are we discouraged? We've heard some bad news this morning, we've heard some different things. Um, Lord, I pray that you will lead us to see how the good news of Jesus. So, just to pick up with you right now in Colossians chapter 1, these two verses, and you'll kind of see as we get there where, where we're headed, but again, how does that day, the final day of the coming hope of Jesus' promise, how does that inform our life today? How does that inform the potential melancholy of where we might be, or might be today, might be tomorrow, might be next Sunday, or a few weeks, when all the credit card bills come back? Um, We'll we'll see how Jesus' promise of his rule, his present rule, is good news. So in Colossians 1, it says this, For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Now, um, the context of that passage you will know, make some sense for us. And why would we launch out of there? Because it's talking about the very present good news that Jesus coming, Emmanuel. Right? That's God with us. That's we just the songs about this Christmas time. God coming and being born in a manger, and and the good news though, the gospel is that is that God is present and that His rule. Is, is, is good news that his oversight over all of life is radical. It's not just about a baby. it's not just about these things we kind of kind of dip into you know once or twice a year but, but it, it was it was a crazy message of a king coming to establish his rule. And so in that context, the Colossian people were an idolatrous people. And what that means is they literally had like little figures in their houses. And they would worship idols, and they would center their entire lives around different idols. And so in their, in their town, in their, in that, in their um, region, the primary goddess, and they would center their lives around Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And then different places in the Greek and Roman world would kind of center their lives around, you know, different gods. God of war, God of power, and God of intimacy, and God of, God of wine, and God of pleasure, God of intelligence and all these things. And so you would have like an actual little figurine in your house that um, you would kind of, I would show my my life is really centered around this. And this gives me hope and this gives me need. So, yeah, I completely joke, right? I love U of A. I do have a sticker on my car, and I was actually talking with a couple this, this morning about some of the other redemption congregations for years, so just taking their opportunity to just diss Tucson, diss U of A, and weird and the, 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 the ties are changing, because now they Your life, right? Like honestly, what like just you can be free right now to be real. Right? We can say idols, we're we're a sophisticated society. We don't spend our lives around other things. But man, hold on, wait, give me a second. Let me check. Whatever it might be, my stock, my stocks, my my scores. Um, you know, what what do I need next? I didn't get something this this, this Christmas, so I'm gonna save up a little bit and then I'll get then I'll be satisfied. And might need to be met, right? But idols of our day are more like consumerism, um, power, security, not so far from the Greek and Roman gods of, you know, uh, uh, war and triumph and security and, and financial stability and pleasure and comfort and sexual intimacy and whatever it might be, and those are idols, So, I want to just stand up here this morning and just tell you how all that stuff's bad. No, it's good, right? Even as I said, there's something good in there sexual intimacy and comfort and joy and stability and finances and these things. They're not in and of themselves bad things, but what an idol is is when we take it and we make a good thing an ultimate thing. When something that's meant to inform your life all of a sudden becomes a controller. And something that you now live your life just circling around and we put it up in our window. Maybe not physically, but we put it up and we say this is what my life is all about. In fact, one uh, theologian, um, author John Calvin said that the human heart is a fabricator of idols. That means it, that means the human heart is is really good at making things that we center our lives around. And again, we've taken really good things and we make them ultimate things. And that is idolatry. And in the good news of Jesus, the good news of what this says, is it says that Jesus is coming, and He's breaking in, and the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in, uh, to, to dwell in Him, and through Him He's reconciling all things. And so, what that means is Jesus came in a proclamation and said, "All the idols that are defining your life, I'm here to put them in the right place." So, the good news of Jesus is that His rule. Being established over all of them. On an individual level, in your life, in your heart, communally among us, in the world around us, it's broken. And this is kingdom language. In fact, when he came into the world, Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 1, it says this Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaimed of God, that's the good news, again, and we tend to just think, that's, my sins are forgiven, that means God accepts me, God's, in one day I'll be in heaven forever, that is true, that is good news but that's not all of it it's not less than that, but it's more than that the gospel, the good news, was universal in its scope, and in its proclamation, because Jesus said, the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand, for hence and believe in the gospel. There's good news. What Jesus is saying is, I'm here to set you free. The good news, the gospel, is not just an intellectual idea. It's not just you, you're now accepted by an almighty, holy God, which is really good news. But it's even more than that. It's Jesus saying, I'm an emancipator. I'm a king. I'm here to set you free from slavery. Because what you I've given you to, to help inform your worship that God created us to live all of life dependent upon Him. God said, let us make man in our image. And so God made us and He said, everything you do, your work, your pleasure, your play, your relationships, your marriage, everything, glorify me with that. Let it be a reflection and let it be for your joy and for my glory. And that those two things are not separate in God's design, those two man but, we said, ah, no thanks. No thanks, God. I want to center my life around something else. I don't want to be oriented toward you. I want my orientation and all of life to be around with whatever it is, insert idol. And then the good news is that Jesus comes and says, no, those good things that I have given for you, for my glory and for your joy and for the good of others, those are the Honest with yourself and open your eyes and say, those things are good, but you've made them ultimate, and the result is slavery. And so when Jesus comes crashing into the scene and proclaims, My kingdom is here, I'm here to save you free from those things. Not to say those are all bad, sex is bad, money's bad, power is bad, relationship is bad, confidence is bad, all these things are bad, security is bad. No, but to say those things all need to fall under Bible where you're free. And there's freedom in Jesus. And so that's what he comes and says. And he says, repent and believe in the gospel. By nature and by choice, we have all chosen and um, cannot help ourselves to orient ourselves to be enslaved, to be under rule by like, something. God created us to be under rule. Right? I'm the youngest of four. I don't like to be controlled by anyone. Right, some of you many know, youngest children in here. Right, yeah. I know we're the babies. We can accept it. We can say it, but we also know that something in us is like, don't tell me what to do. Like don't, you're not my mom, right? You're not my dad. I'm not going to sit on everyone's lap. I want to sit in my own seat, right? I don't. I get to win the seat, right? Come on, Let's, we can live in solidarity together this But we're all, um, if we're honest, we're we're designed though to live under rule, to, to be controlled. That's how God created us. He's the creator, and we're the creature. And so, though we think that we're in control, we choose to live. Uh, in submission to other things. And again, the result is slavery. is enslavement. And we are constantly looking for something to, 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 to rule our lives, to orient our lives. And so the good news of Jesus is saying, repent and believe. Turn from whatever else you're orienting yourself toward, whatever else is controlling your life. Turn back to me. Turn away from slavery and turn toward freedom. Independent, good, relationship with your holy God, your creator, who's made you in his image. And believe. Trust. Put your trust in me. Don't trust these other things. Forsake that. Don't trust security. Don't trust pleasure. Don't trust this. Let those things be the way God intended them to be, but don't let them rule your life. That's the call of the gospel, and that's what Jesus calls. He says, repent and believe there is good news, for the kingdom of God is Coming One day, down the road, you're all going to just back up to heaven, you're going to be chugging little babies with wings, and the kingdom is going to be there. Is that what he says? No, he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's at hand. It's broken in right now. And so there's this, this crazy but really good an important news for us to, to understand is that the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus is proclaiming the good news of God, is now and then. It, it's, it's here, it's present, and it's not yet. So uh, one day in George Ladd explains it like this: He says, The kingdom of heaven is not yet, right? There are tears still shed. There are accidents that are still happening. There is tragedy. There are things, if we're honest with ourselves, it's so inhumane to just look away and act like it's all good. But we need to love one another enough to recognize Sometimes things aren't the way they're supposed to be. The kingdom of heaven is not here in full. There's brokenness. But, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here and it's coming. Because... Where Jesus is, because through His death on the cross, His victory over sin and the rule of sin, which is simply put, not nah, God. Nah. It's broken. It's, it's idolatry. It's all this stuff that we've been talking about. Jesus said, "The good news is here." God's been put to death through His death, then through His resurrection. Right? And we're talking about Easter today, right? And we need to blur these things a little more. Christmas, right? We've it before. From a manger to a tree, Christmas and Easter go hand in hand, and in. Christmas, the Major, to Good Friday, to Easter, that, that, those things, that is the good news of God, and that is because through the resurrection of Jesus, His kingdom is here now. He, he has conquered death and the effects of death, and He said, Come and follow me, put your trust in me, give your life to me. I will rule over you, and there's a coming hope that is meant to so how does that happen? What does that look like? <laughs> well, what does it look like for us right now to hear bad news, to hear some, some really sad and tragic things? And to not be like Days and just kind of stick our heads in the sand and be like, God, the kingdom's here, heaven is coming, let you know. What does it look like for us to live today and live in back Well, again, the kingdom is not yet. And so right now, what we're just going to do is we're going to walk through some passages that I hope encourage and inform how you and I live our lives today. Because this is Jesus' promise that he will one day restore all things. It says this in Revelation chapter 21, that Jesus is not just evading the manger, but he is restoring the restoring king. It says this, the author John says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. God with us, right? Emmanuel, that's what it means, God with us. Again, literally, God incarnate. God with meat on, God flesh So Not just this, What is God do? God something. I was just having a conversation with my friends. God, God's out there. No.
1: Oh. God is real. God is
0: present. God designed us to live in intimate relationships. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away, and he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The reality of our world right now is things are not the way they're supposed to be. There is death, there is brokenness, there is systemic injustice, there is familial injustice, there is brokenness abuse, there's confusion, there's enslavement, looks like. Romans, chapter 8, says this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So the context of the audience of these people, the Roman church, right, we just walked through Mark, some of you guys have heard some of this, the the, the audience that that Mark, the author of the gospel, according to Mark, um, his audience was the church in Rome, and similar to here, these Roman Christians. The author says, Paul says, the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing. You know what the sufferings Of burning followers of Jesus, and yet, in light of the glory that is to come, in light of the hope of Jesus that informs life now, the author says it's not even worth comparing this to what is to come. And somehow, that good news informs any in circumstance now and today. In fact, again, in Second Corinthians, chapter four. Same author Paul, but in a different context, he says this. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond comparison. Though our outer self is wasting away. And that's good news. Some of you might, I don't care how young you are or old you are after Christmas, I, I need 5,000 hours on Christmas day. It was carbolicious. It was, I don't know about you guys, but it has been good. And it's still been good, right? New Year's it's it's, we're still there. This is just that time of year, just enjoy it, right? You might be feeling, I don't know, my back hurts. I don't know what price to all I've Like, it shouldn't be hurting. I haven't done anything, but my back hurts. But we know, like, the outer man is wasting away, and that's just a tragedy. Some of us know real physical affliction. Cancer, pain, struggle. And yet, somehow, because of the doings of Jesus, we can say, man, this is um, it's preparing something glorious beyond even comparing. And, and then again, in 1 Corinthians. we've experienced a lot of death. A lot of people have taken their own life. Um, There's been some real tragedy we've had to walk through. There's been um, death of of infants and children way too soon. We just talked this morning about about death of two young children. Someone here knows really well. And their dad. And and uh, and it's not supposed to. so, so, guys, as a church, as a pastor, like, how do you, what do you do with that? If you just say, like, yeah, no big deal, right? If we have the ostrich approach, we stick our heads in the sand, we act like it's not theirs, like, what do you do when it smacks you in the face? I think we look at God's word, which is given to comfort us, and we ask the heart, This tragedy is real and awful and hard. We don't downplay that. We don't diminish it. But the best, the good news of Jesus is that word. But. There's always a but. There's always a however. There's always a that doesn't define the whole story. Whatever you're going through, whatever you have gone through, whatever you've We'll go through whatever's on the other side of December thirty first, whatever's on the other side of December twenty fifth, whatever's on the other side of what we don't know, there Whatever I'm going through, though, however hard it is, it is not ultimate. It is not the way it's supposed to be, and we can look at it in the face and say, it is bad, it is evil, it is tragic, but it is not ultimate. And that's good news. And so now as we respond, we to, prepare the to sing in response to Jesus. for to, to the usual illustration maybe favor of some of our U fans here that only you can hear bad things about U of a. But I was I was thinking about this this morning because you know the U of in the first bowl game in New York, the New Mexico Bowl um, and we win and we won. Uh, spoiler alert, we, we <laughs> somehow waiting really to watch a, an obscure bowl game. In, in, in but we we won. Here. <coughs> but I was remembering just a couple of years ago, the same bowl, the New Mexico bowl, right? The U of A hadn't won a bowl game in I don't know, I don't know. You guys know all this is issue. A really long time. The U of A had not won a bowl game in a long time. We hadn't been able to a meaningful bowl in forever. Our team was bad. We were all these <laughs> all these things, and we we're getting thumped by a bad, some you know, obscure team, we we're just getting crushed. And then in the fourth quarter, we were down by 21 points. And what happened? With one minute left, or just over a minute, we were down by 13 points. The U.N. was down by 13 points. So if you're watching that, you're like, every interception, every fumble, our defense was ridiculous, we were getting crushed, it was a a horrible game, and you're just like, man, this is awful. But if you know the end of perhaps, you know Touchdown crazily they went on, kicked it on the side kick, got the ball, marched down the field, and scored it in, kicked the extra point, scored 14 points in a minute with 19 seconds to spare to win the bowl game. And then that same day, we actually had a way more important win than Cuba basketball team beat Florida who was ranked number like, three in the nation. And that's just sports right? silly. But guys, we get sports, we get these things, those things. I don't know how it translates for you, but right, the defense is not doing its job. The, the, the bank account isn't holding up the way the it's supposed to. The, the spouse or the boyfriend or the girlfriend, the job isn't fulfilling the way it's supposed to. Whatever it is, whatever's going on, life is not the way it's supposed to be. And we are reminded of that tragically sometimes, but we know the ending. We know the coming hope of Jesus when all things will be made new, and that informs the way we walk through it right now. So let's pray in response <coughs> to the good news of our King Jesus, who's come to make all of life restored through his work and his will. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we do thank you for, um, for good news. Lord, the word gospel is gotten hijacked. The word Emmanuel, God with us, has, has become kind of normal and mundane. Um, some of the things that we say here at church, repent and believe, Lord, we, our, our hearts are fickle. We, we, we are um, quick to replace you with things you've created, Lord, Our hearts are idle factories. Lord, we're quick to forget. We look in the mirror and then we walk away and forget what we've just seen. And yet, the good